Warning. Please note that this podcast contains strong language and touches on many topics that may not be considered appropriate for a work environment. If you choose to listen to this podcast where you can be overheard, we are not responsible for the consequences of your decision. You've been warned. type of snappy follow-up to this. <laughs> Free Chase Young. <laughs> Free Chase Young. Because that's what we're talking about, is money. And the gig economy this week. My name is Bill. And I'm Noelle. And we all have an X chromosome. That's our name. Uh, before we get into the meat of our topic and introduce have this our guest for this episode... We're going to get down to business, and that business is... Not defeating the Huns, although also defeating the Huns. Because you said, let's get down to business. (laughs) (laughs) What do you want from me? I couldn't just let it lie there. That being said, you can find us at xchromosomepodcast.com. This is where we have links to all of our social media, which comes to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram all the other places that you can find us. It also has links to our links to our Patreon and to our donations if you want to give us a one-time donation and to our merchandise which we have a, after the last episode we have a new uh, image available for sale. You put it on stuff. It is in fact about not what is it? Not a stop sending stop sending nudes. Yep, stop sending our them. acronym for what nudes stands for because we're giant nerds and we thought we were pretty clever so if you thought we were funny your spouse was clever in that case because that came from Noel's spouse but yes if you help us out with Patreon help us out with donations help us out with merchandise we don't have to worry about sponsors trying to say yeah we don't like it when you say that word that starts with F. Fuck. Um, yeah. Can you be a little less feminist? Can you be a little less angry? No, fuck you. Can you have the white guy talk more? No, please. Nobody wants to listen to the white guy. The the only reasons I start the podcast and I do the business is because no one else wants to. Yeah, I, I can't stand the sound of my voice and I want to speak as little as possible. Unless she's raging, that's perfectly fine. That's why we had Noel here. So, because the world revolves around money, unfortunately, that's what we're going to talk about today. With the inequalities of money, with sexism, racism, and things like that, between people that have to survive on a job and the gig economy, and on top of things such as being an artist, being a crafter, doing as many side hustles as they can, and then getting less money for said side hustles. So, 
due to the inequality of that, we put out a call to see if we have anybody that would like to talk with us about it. And we have a guest that actually was we I had invited to be on our show with Ilea about art and politics, but I was like, hey, Jennifer, we're doing this show, and you're an artist and a crafter and a tattoo artist and all this stuff that requires you to gain money, and she was like, yes. So I, I want to introduce Jennifer. I met Jennifer through Twitter, uh, because that's where I meet everybody nowadays, is through Twitter. Uh, Jennifer, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Jennifer with, you know, spelled with a G, uh, Bone. I am, let's see, I'm an artist, a lesbian, trans woman, feminist. Satanist? Satanist, thank you. I forgot, uh, how did I miss Satanist? Satanist witch, there we go. I think that's everything. Oh, and, uh, you know, some people call me, I've been called the sinful lady faggot, which is a reclaimed insult. Well, I, you sound like a perfect mesh for this topic. And the show in general. <laughs> you are exactly you. the sort of people that we want to be talking to. Yep, yeah. And we, and we want to hear speak, too. In fact, we are going to be doing a show based on this. So I would just like to let our listener that has emailed us know in case they don't get the response email back before the show comes out. We heard you. We are going to talk to you. We're going to bring up this uh, thing. But they put their tagline on their email to us, not today, Satan. <laughs> I mean, yeah. my schedule's really booked, so maybe next week. I try to save it for Wednesdays. You know, it's, it's hump day. All right, so let's get a little bit of your story about this. I know that I I know that I used to do art at conventions and after I started trying to get art for money it stopped being fun it, st- it started being a job I got tired of people trying to haggle me down for my prices so oh, and the getting shit for free that's Oh my god So can, can you tattoo me for free Jennifer uh, and like the one that I always got is like there's a phrase anytime anyone says like it's off the hook just in the gig economy walk away just trust me on this off the hook is a warning sign what what do you mean because I don't know this I mean is people like basically they say they have a it, like off the hook is I have this great idea it's amazing you're going to get nothing for it. And it's going to be a really long, incredibly complex project that I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm sure it'll be great. That sounds terrible. It is. It is. And you, you, and I think just about every artist or anyone who gets me gets at least one job like that. And that's how you learn never to do it. It's one of those, it sounds too good to be true because it is. I suspect it happens a lot more to female identified people, to female identified people because you know, women want the attention. Well, also, we get paid less per dollar. Per job, women and female-identifying individuals and vaguely female-shaped people get paid less. We'll just cover all the bases there. It's true. You know, female-presenting people get shafted, and it just gets worse the darker your skin gets. It's true. So, yes. Your besides your warning about anything being off the hook being, you know, on the level of random 
person you never spoke to in high school coming up to you and being like, hi, so we haven't talked in forever. It's exactly as a, like that. As a warning that, you know, that's the, the warning sign of multi-level marketing scam. I don't think I've ever been in a, I, I, I've avoided the multi-level marketing scams because I just, I don't function in that, in that area anyway. That's good. I sold Aveda, not Aveda. I sold Avon very briefly. Mm -hmm. I tried to do, I tried to do Aflac, which is a little bit multi-level marketing. Even if it is actually a useful product, it's still very MLM in its structure. I uh, ended up doing some, some artwork for a few uh, people who were in one of those marketing scams. I designed some business cards for them. And I discovered, and that was when I discovered there is another another risk, which is like they were all just trying; they were all trying to get into my pants. That's alarming. It is, especially when, like, you know, they like you met them at a co- at a coffee shop. Well, you weren't you weren't your place, of course, but they you've seen you've met, they can recognize you in person. But I was just starting out; I was like just learning learning the ropes of it. Yeah, they were like, you know, do you want, like suddenly I, they were like, so we work together well. Do you want to go on a date? No. A part of lesbian, don't you understand? Oh God, they were boys. It's always boys. I understand I, boys are dumb and horrible, but that's an extra level of dumb and horrible. Oh yeah, like well, I mean, well, that's part of. Like, I'm a trans woman, and a lot of men. Have a th- have, are chasers. They have a thing for us. So that's an extra thing you have to look out for. Is a lot of men Gross. will try to manipulate. Yeah, they'll try to manipulate it into uh, now them getting some. It really is. I bought your art, so you should pull out. Put out. Oh yes, no. yeah. Put pull out. out. I mean, pull out if you're. I, I mean, that's up, that's up to the people involved. But uh, no. Ugh. Oh, they're so gross. They really are. Sorry, Bill. You are gross. Yeah, I I stumbled over that word. It's all right, Bill. <laughs> I, I, well, everyone is gross. <laughs> Boys are gross. It's okay. The original inspiration for the show was uh, a stylist friend of mine got into some shit on her own wall about tipping. And I went back and I went, hey, I remember some shit about how tipping is actually fucking racist. And we invented tipping so that racist fucks could get away with not paying black people for the work they're doing. And so then it was like, and the gig economy is also bullshit because the gig economy is disproportionately filled with disenfranchised or underemployed people who are disproportionately not white. and. In some cases, not straight. Um, I live in the Boston area, and I can tell you just, I basically live because of the gig economy. Not that I take, I'm active in it, like I'm not doing Uber, I'm not doing that, but I have a lot of deliveries done to me. I Uber, I Lyft, and things like that. Thinking about just the people that come to me for the services, or deliver my services, I think maybe only one out of 20 might be a white guy. That makes sense. Yes, that makes sense. That yeah, makes white guys can get jobs that actually pay well, so they don't need to do this. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like, when you're, uh, you just take, at, at some point when you're doing uh, gigs or freelance, you just take 
especially at the beginning, you take everything that comes along. And, you know, that, that's, and that's where you have to watch out. But you, can't aff- you, you really can't afford it when you're just starting out because you need to eat. Oh, yeah. I have, yeah, you can. Uh, Such bullshit. You can end up uh, working with people who are, there's a lot of people who take advantage. Like people will uh, attempt to take, you know, money from you. They'll attempt to take, you know, to give you, the, to have you give, I found out very quickly, get at least part of the pay first. And mm. uh, yeah, I had a lot, I've had people like just disappear and stuff like that. And you can also end up with like your sketchy things. And especially if you're doing artwork, you can find out that the person, like I did, the person I did artwork with later was uh, publicly t- publicly being a neo-Nazi, which Duh. was very upsetting. And I never found, I, 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 I never found out if he pulled this, my artwork like I, like I told him to. Probably not. Uh, probably not. I mean, that would require him to respect you as a, as an, as a human being. Oh yeah. That same person, like right after that, I when I was confronting them, they were like, well, I, I forget what it was. it was. Something about, he felt he was treating me fairly because he was treating me like a man because I wasn't a woman. Oh God. That's yeah. A, there's so much to unpack there. Let's just burn the whole suitcase. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. It's all over the place in the gig economy. I can, yeah, because it's it's designed to take advantage of disenfranchised people. Yeah, I mean, I like, especially like, I mean, in my case, I'm not a person of color, but uh, you know, I am I am trans and lesbian, and so that's like that makes I can generally I, I I'll use the term pass, but you know, someone clocks you, and like in so many places you're gone like they can just fire you right then and there no explanation so how so unless you're your own boss how are you going to work at all yeah and that's terrifying i worry about all of my non non-conforming that's a good word for it. spectrum non-conforming friends and loved ones because i have i i seem to attract them um i don't know if it's a case of a little bit of like knowing like or just i'm not an asshole so I get all the cool people, but <laughs> I worry about them. I worry about them being harassed. I worry about them doing stuff like Uber because that's exactly, you know, that's scary. Are are you female presenting and driving Uber? I'm worried about you. Are you oh, yeah. trans and driving Uber? I'm worried about you because. I can't imagine being trans and driving Uber. That is I mean that that takes some that takes some. I know it's a you know uh, do it or die starve type of situation, but mm-hmm. still takes some guts. Like, I can't uh, imagine doing that, especially when I first came out. Well, here it's, I the person I know has some advantages to it, so because they're not female presenting, so yeah, that, that helps. But still, oh. I'm scared because he's still at risk of being hurt because he's gay. Right. Well, I mean, I have to say that like that is a thing that you see coming up a lot is uh, sometimes like there's you can, like the, tra- the trans situation. You can really see the difference between how the people will treat uh, what they perceive as a man versus what they perceive as a woman because uh, you know, a, a, a trans man gets it like starts to get that extra privilege 
just in that there's not like when they see you when they see you and you're and you're a woman they assume weakness there's just that assumption yeah and even if you're built on a on a frame that's a little bit more durable yeah well I'm yeah I'm built like a dump truck and people still uh like come out like people still act like I am you know delicate weak or yes, you know weak. unable to defend yourself yeah surprising how uh how much people think that like Going after some, it's it's odd because you think someone trying to prove themselves would go after you know would go after someone who was tougher than them, but instead because they're all cowards, they go after someone they perceive as unable to stop them. That's because it's not about proving themselves; it's about power. It really, is. everything is about power. You were mentioning earlier about like you know some of the differences that happen, and maybe think and selling at cons, and that's where I got my start is I sold at cons even before I came out and I did pretty well. I did pretty well. And one thing I noticed, one thing I noticed is that a lot of, a lot of ladies had a, I mean, everyone has, you know, their selling persona, but had a very specific persona when sell, you know, when they were selling, there were a lot of ladies who, Basically, they in order to sell the stuff, they had to present, you know, present as like the ultimate fangirl, manic pixie dream girl crap, you know, oh to make God, them all the exhausting. And yeah, and uh, yes. I remember, I and I remember like I didn't judge him, but I remember thinking it's like this gal next to me was just, just talking about feminism, and now and now she's like flouncing, and you have to like it is it's it's especially back then it was just vicious vicious competition we weren't like against each other but you to survive you had the push for just out of curiosity when did you start selling at cons i started selling at cons uh in the early aughts like around 2003 2004 right yeah all right yeah i was in the ones that were around ohio usually okay so like ohio con Mm -hmm. fucking matsuri i think is ohio based isn't it and there's that one in, uh, there's what's that one in Chicago? I can never remember it. But anyway, well, there was a big one in Chicago. They uh, in the winter. I know they just had one because my company that I work for at Renfair had a uh, anime Midwest. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, yeah. Someone posted that, and yeah, like I just think like I I was God been so many pla- so many places and so many hotels just with mass amounts of artwork. Yeah, I was mostly doing my art at LARP conventions, mostly doing like custom portraiture and things like that. And even though I'm, even though I have all the advantages, so to speak, in regards to being the default setting straight cis white guy, I was like, I can't do this. This is just, I'm done. I I was I did like four conventions doing art and. It completely like burnt me out. So people that can continue to push through to get what they enjoy and what they love out there and actually sur- hopefully survive off of it, I have respect for. So it's like tons of respect. Yeah, um, it ta- it takes it takes so much more time than people think it does. You're you're starving for quite a, you're starving for quite a while just because like. No one knows who you are, so you have to like build up a, a name and a brand, and that takes at least two or three years. Yeah, I've noticed that 
I have a fair persona that's very different from who I am when I'm off everybody's clock. Um, but it's a persona I fall into now when I'm out in public, mostly because my husband dresses in garb 100% of the time. So it's. That's so lovely. <laughs> he's a lovely man. Um, my spouse is best spouse. We sell corsets. There is a perception that, and everybody in the booth has a similar persona because I've watched the guy I work with, or the guys outside of my husband, whose persona is slightly different. He's, we're either theater background or Rennie's or both. Um, they're surprising, unsurprisingly, there's overlap. But that theater boy persona. Right. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. I know that. I know that one. Yeah. The, I'm not gay, but that's only on points. Or it's only because I don't like dick. That sort of. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Well, the idea, yeah, because people pre- again, it's it's feminine present, it's quote unquote feminine pre- presenting. So it's so, so people feel. Yeah, in like this it's, case, it's so they feel safe. Yeah, it makes people feel safe because we're having guys get really close to female presenting peoples, and in a lot of cases, some non some non binary because we're helping fit for various reasons corsetry and clothing and armor and we are getting all up in your business and i love my spouse and i love my coworker and i love my boss but they all pretty much pass as straight white men and that was that's scary my boss yeah my boss does look vaguely middle eastern when he has the right length of beard but that's because his grandfather was syrian but you gotta look you know otherwise he's just a big otherwise he's just a big loud dude that's yeah. See, that's that's something that you don't realize going in when you're doing the, uh, like gigs is that sometimes you are the only uh, blank in the room. You're the one person who isn't a straight white, like, and it's always a, it's almost always a straight white guy. Like you're not you're all you're the one who isn't the straight white guy in the room, and you real and that's it's very intimidating. And people use that to kind of they, they to kind of push things in the direction they want to and they only, sometimes they don't even know they're doing it yeah um i noticed that when i was attempting to you know do that whole aflac i needed some sort of money somewhere um not only was it exhausting it required a very aggressive masculine set of skills which is why most people in the room were guys now uh, they yeah it's so funny like, like you know they, they like talk about catch 22 like people who are perceived to be female we're supposed to or and minorities in general um we're supposed to you know we we're taught to you know keep your head down so because you don't want to get no you don't want to get notes to notice and then you're trying to sell things so you also have to kind of push you have to push yourself out there and you never know who you're talking to like i said the guy who turned out to be oh that year i went i found out that so many people I was working with were just trash people. And because they didn't talk to me about it, that I'd had no idea. And I had to find out like when independent, like about two, two or three years ago, the independent, independent gaming, like outside of uh, the big RPGs, I do a lot of illustrations for the small companies. Mm -hmm. There was just a collapse because 
it turned out like there was a mass amount of abuse going on. And, this is not surprising. And it all came from, I mean, I basically used the term, you know, grognards, uh, was it old school renaissance, like people who were like, who insisted that one edition of the game was the only way to do it. And people were trying to be edgy by making, and this one upset me when I found out about it because I had worked for the guy, not in that piece, but like pieces that uh, glorified sexual abuse. And game, yeah, I know. And like, I mean, it was, it, there's a it, place that I was going to Boris Vallejo. There's a time and a place for that. And it's not now. And yeah. And uh, it was just like, it's just such a risk. You know, you know, it's like, like vetting people isn't easy. And it's not made easy um, just from, and then, you know, back, back again to things like DoorDash and Uber and these things that are great and would be extremely accessible and fantastic for, for me, um, I'm an STNA in my spare time Mm -hmm. slash that's my job that pays the bills. Those services are great for the elderly population who can't access it uh, because it requires things like computer savvy. Mm. So, you know, this thing that would be useful to have them deliver groceries or food, whatever um, they can't get to, because they don't know how, or they can't afford it. I'm a mature woman, let's say. And I have noticed that, like, there's a certain... I mean, I figured things out because I have to. But I did notice that there was a, a drop, as time went on, there's a drop in user-friendliness. As there's, a, there's, there's just the assumption that every... Well, everyone knows this. But the everyone that knows this, they're basically going on uh, 20 years and under. And so mm. people who haven't gotten those who haven't gotten those skills who aren't good at them get left behind real quick. Yeah, and that's frustrating. And those are you know those older populations are also some of the people who need to run gigs. They need side jobs. They need a little bit of money, um, and they're also being taken advantage of because of that. Or they can't get you know a sensible job working retail because it's too hard on them so they're they're driving past when it's safe and all of these services are uh you know they're they're targeting they're they're targetable uh, demographics which is horrible to think about i mean we've seen the stories of woman is murdered by her uber driver woman is driving for uber and is murdered Yeah. Same story. Yeah, and let me tell you, and bec- and also because of the nature of it is the people who people who want to take advantage of a situation can just get in. You're just handing them access. You're like, you get yeah, you get into a car and there's a like there's that part of you. It's like I don't know this person. I have to assume that they're. I have to make the decision of whether they're okay or not. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, sometimes, but that's kind of the big disadvantage of this whole gig economy, isn't it? Because they're, uh, they know, they can, they know that they can get away with, with being uh, gross. Yeah. Well, not just the people I'm talking about the companies themselves, they can get away with like less vetting and more just like, and taking advantage of people or, or making assumptions and less human rights because, I mean, 
these are desperate these are people who are in a in a more or less desperate situation so i mean they'll take it we'll, we'll take anything won't we i mean who cares it's a big that's a big issue of it it's that who cares attitude one of the most recent things that i was finding because we're looking at the various things is instacart instacart basically have been at the workers for Instacart have been trying to get better wages or even like requesting like, can you go through and change the default tip that you can request to like 10% instead of five, five percent. That That's the default tip that Instacart suggests. If you want to go through and you could tip more, they're not stopping from that, but they have the default listed as 5% for their tip. I know this because I used to use Instacart a lot until the recent bullshit that they went through and pulled, which after drivers tried to organize a three-day national strike, Instacart went through and eliminated a quality bonus for shoppers that received five-star ratings, which in addition basically hurt even the even better shoppers that do this for a living and try to do it well for that bonus. Well, I mean, like we're like we're not people because we don't have like we're we, you know they look at us as like well we don't have power. So you don't have power and you don't have you might not be able to do the money. So if we just and if we just keep you so busy, you won't be able to protest either. And there, there's a there is. Yeah, there is a mm-hmm. lot of that. Which is and part of it. The problem is, is that's like, I mean, with everything going on in politics and the world and everything else and all the constant pressure of like, the news cycle. I mean, when do you like it? When do you have time to take a moment and figure out exactly like how am I going to change this one thing when there's five hundred things, and they know that. Yeah, because you go through and you see, you go through and you call your Uber driver, and not only are they doing Uber, they're also doing Lyft, and they're trying to also pick up Uber Eats money, just because if they're going to be on the road, they need to go through and get every dollar that they can. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's yeah, and it, like making that's something that happens like to a lot of artists too, is you take every job that comes along. And, you know, because any work is, this quote is, any work is good work. That's not entirely true because eventually you start, you start wearing down. You can't be on top, on like your game all the time, but you are also in a place where, well, if I stop, people aren't going to know who I am. And when you start getting worn down, that's when you start getting the, I'll give you exposure, people. There is nothing worse than exposure. People die of exposure. One of the examples from the article that uh, came through with Vice about how that quality bonus is a major part of that is um, many veteran Instacart workers rely on the quality bonus as a perk, as a significant part of their earnings, which can account for up to 40% of the earnings. Vanessa Bain, an Instacart chapter from Mellow Park, told Motherboard... The minimum wage for each batch, I'm figuring that's per order, is currently set at $7. So basically, you get up to at least $10 an order without the tip, but it's like you're going to need the tipping 
on top of that just to survive. Because they're not, there's nothing in that in Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Instacart. None of these places are adding the wear and tear on your vehicle, are adding mileage, are adding that gas money. Those things that, I mean, I'm getting mileage in my job because I'm a home health STNA. I go from house to house to house. So that's part of it. Um, I'm actually going to try to advocate for uh, just raise my pay and I'll take and stop paying me mileage, pay me this much just so that I can afford my car. Uh, but I'm spending an hour or two on the road. And it's funny when you, you know, it's like, cause you're talking about these protections and making up and like, there's a predatory part of this. Cause I mean, like all of us who are, I mean, just, I mean, well, the LGBT, LGBTQ in general just does not have the coverage almost, you know, anywhere. And that's the big, that, and especially for tra- for uh, trans people is you're, you're, you know, it's it, it's a really bad situation because you go to the gig economy because no place will give you, you know, give you the money or give you give you what you need to survive or will even let you be who you are. And you go to the gig economy and like you might be able to make money, but you're also there's no protection. Like we there, there's even less protection than in an office. And like and uh, they. I guess that that is the big risk of I think the gig is that like you are you are working for somebody who is not truly concerned about whether you exist or not. I was talking to one of my Uber drivers a little bit about uh, the pay rates and things of that nature the other day. One of the things that is also pointed out is like I'm seeing that th- because this one example was in uh, California where they had that seven dollars per batch thing. But I'm in Massachusetts in the Boston area. He told me that basically if he did his Ubering just a little, uh, just maybe 30 miles north of me in New Hampshire, that the rate for the, that Uber pays is less than here in the Boston area because there's less people, less need for it. I can't imagine like someone doing all this gig work in like Iowa where they're probably because of the whole uh, standard of living pay areas. That's like people go about like, oh my god, I could buy this house in Alabama for a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, but for the same job that you're working now, you're going to be making, if you're lucky, half that. Right. And people don't understand that. Yes, it's great that I'm making this amount of money in Boston. But if I was doing the same exact job in Alabama, and I know this for a fact because I've lived in both areas, I'd be doing my same exact job for eight dollars an hour. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, along along with that, there's that that strange thing people have where they'll just they'll be like, "You should be thankful you have a job at all," type of people. Okay, boomer. Yeah, exactly. That <laughs> absolutely. Because that that feeling of like no you don't get it they are starving me and like and people just it, no empathy nothing like no idea that people have it that, that anyone lives any differently than they do or it's a matter of well just work harder 
And plus, I mean, if you have a mental illness, I mean, I have, a, I am dealing with a few myself, a few illnesses, and some days you just don't have the spoons to get that extra work in because you know you just you won't be able to do it, or it will send you towards a breakdown. I actually had to explain spoon therapy to my new therapist. They never, they never heard of it. Can you do a quick explanation. Yep, I gave a quick. I get no. I, I gave my therapist a quick explanation. Oh, I know. I meant here. Uh, almost everybody. We could do that if you. But many people that listen to this understand the idea of needing spoons or spell slots. Yeah, we. That's like breaking down able. To, you know what people can do is almost a whole topic in itself. But yeah, things take different amounts of energy. Some people break it down into spoons. Some people break it down into spell slots. Like a level, a level seven spell for you could be taking a shower and getting ready for work, because that takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy, emotion, a lot of mental and physical energy because of whatever abilities you have. And so that's your major thing for the day is getting up and going to work. So everything after One that, thing that I've been is going to drain you. Fork therapy um, theory. Yep. The fork theory. It's it's theory, Bill. And that's probably where the computer... Take a fork in you, you're yeah, done. The, yeah. The fork theory of dealing with stuff is pretty cool, too. It's the, well, I can deal with this tiny fork of getting up and going to the bathroom when you've just taken this, when I have just been handed this big, you know, I've just been stabbed with this really big fork. Um, I need a, like a, this of, we need a new car. My car just fell apart. That's a big thing, but a lot of other little things have gone on through the day. I need to deal with those first so that I have the resources to deal with the big problem. And like, and when you're working entirely based on someone coming, like kind of someone coming to you, it becomes, that's like a constant fork is like the, like the hustle is a con is constantly there. Whether you're, trying to you know get people to notice your brand or you know you're you're putting all sorts of nice little things in your in your car so people like you know people give you good points you're always hustling and that's not stuff that you're getting competent that's not stuff the company is helping you with and that's part of the bullshit of this entire gig economy and everybody's like the gig economy is great no the gig economy is a hole into which you pour money yeah, it sounds it sounds good on paper. Yeah, it's just like multi-level marketing stuff, which is equally bullshit. And that is targeted specifically at women who want to do traditionally tra- traditional womanly things like stay home and raise their kids. Um, a lot of that stuff is complete. Peak capitalism. They're trying to monetize motherhood. When that's already... Um, something needs to have the value calculated because that's a job itself. And caregiving has been so devalued in Western culture that being a stay-at-home parent is any caregiving job pays less. Well, yeah. And it's, yeah, your medic, it really affects getting, and it affects people through that, but also affects the people who are getting the care because like someone stressed out or tired can't always give this, can't give the same care 
that someone who has like, you know, who's, is, who is in a good place and doesn't have to worry about every goddamn thing. That's from my own uh, work life. I can talk about this all day. People will go on and on and on. Well, what is this all abuse? What is all of this abuse in nursing homes? Blah, 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 blah. They're heavily understaffed. The people who, in, the people doing the primary amount of care, that would be people at my medical level, that'd be the nurse aides, the, the certified nurse aides or the STNAs, depends on what state you're in um, or country. They call it a bunch of different things, but it's the thing you are before you're a nurse. That's a minimum wage job. Oh my God. Yeah. I am. I am transferring patients. I'm moving them from a bed to a chair. I'm helping to feed them. I'm helping to clean them. I'm helping them get dressed. I'm helping them with physical therapy and their range of motion. I'm doing house um, in my job. I have uh, personal care. I personal care is everything from you know helping them get dressed to bathing them on my own while because they're bed bound. So I'm helping with that. I, you know, helping them on a very deeply personal level, keep themselves comfortable or I'm helping them. I'm doing for the prepare meals. I'm helping them, you know, microwave something or reminding them that they need to eat and getting something ready to prompt them to eat to um, special dietary needs and then feeding it to them. And Oh yeah. And people, and they can have so few people. You can ask people to just go, you're going to have bologna sandwiches every day because that's the quickest thing to make. And well, in a nurse, in a facility, you've got a kitchen staff, but the kitchen staff is also minimum wage. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And it's, it, it's just insane. And you're ground down. You really are. I, I'm lucky. I make more than minimum wage. And there is a push to acknowledge I've had this argument with a friend of mine about acknowledging the emotional component of labor and things that are caregiving, things that are traditionally feminine in terms of gender jobs, childcare, teaching, uh, nursing, things like that. Uh, Retail. Retail is, again, um, oddly, a very feminine profession, even though we had to fight to be able to work in stores. The minute the minute men could stop running the counter, they were like, "Fuck it, we're out, bye," and we're gonna pay you less. Fuck you. It's all like, I mean, it's all just a big, just clusterfuck. I mean, like, let's say, like, like if you are, there's a lot of uh, jobs that you could that basically because of that, you know, this is female, this is male bullshit. It's like if like someone who has who is perceived as male for whatever reason like a trans a trans woman who someone thinks doesn't pass or you know a man who just is very good with children or something it's harder to to do a to do a job like that involves care because no one because people assume uh the worst but at the same time they'll hire like a a terror like a woman who's terrible for the job because the assumption is because the assumptions you know the gender like oh well this is what one people will do and this is what the other people do so you can't have like basically it's another way to keep men from caring you know yeah because we've so we've so stringently gendered caregiving it boils down you know it's even the littlest things um i have some single parent dads in my life those bastards get 
I, I love you. You guys are amazing. Don't get me wrong. You stay-at-home dads, you single-parent dads, you're rock stars. You're doing a really tough job that society has not trained you for because you were not socialized to take care of children. And the fact that you're doing an amazing job and you know your, your kids are clean and fed and dressed and get places on time, that's awesome. You're doing a hard job. It's still a hard job when you're socialized to do it because you're socialized to do this job and then they want you to also do all of this other bullshit on top of it. And it's like, well, I personally have ADHD. I can barely keep myself fed and clothed. Yeah, same here. I deserve a fucking medal every time I manage to do something beyond the bare basics of get up, get dressed, get to work, make sure my patients are okay, and get home. Oh, yeah. If I come home and then manage to clean part of my house. That's amazing. Yeah, that you should, like, someone should give you some cake. I deserve candy. My husband's amazing. Again, the spouse is amazing, and he's, we don't have the official paperwork, but he's disabled. He just had a week ago um, disc replacement in his cervical spine. So in his neck. That seemed like it was less than a week, like a couple of days ago, feels like. And it was Thursday uh, last. So, yeah, he's a week out from surgery. And the date of this podcast recording is November 12th. Uh, but he's been dealing with this injury for a decade. But I, I can tell he's doing better. Um, but he can't yet. But, you know, he is, he was raised pretty much for a good portion by a single mom so he got socialized to do housekeeping things because he fucking had to somebody had to do things because mom was out hustling you bring like you're talking about these skills and i can speak as you know like one of the things like to say as a specific thing i think for trans people i'm gonna go for trans women especially in this is that is that you there since the people around you aren't like they you don't get like you are not where you know you're not since you're not they're not trying to socialize you as who you say you are generally so what you're being socialized at so yeah i mean like someone grows up and is forced to be socialized male like that there's a there's a shock to the system when you're wet like because you're not no one has you have to learn later in life, a, a whole bunch of uh, skills and ways of doing things. And no one has told, no one has told you a thing about it. And in some cases you don't even know it was a thing because no one tells someone, you know, no one talks about it. So it's this extra layer of uh, building up skills and, uh, you know, re- it's, it's, like you know, the, like work, yeah. Transition and work in the workplace is a huge issue because, like, because if just people expect different things from you, people expect they just they treat you differently. And one of the most aggravating things is people will assume suddenly that you are, yeah. I mean, people just assume that you are vulnerable, and when I say vulnerable, I mean that you are too delicate to do with the job you did before. Right. And, and people also, when you try to get the jobs that you want, uh, you end up in, like I said, there's these skills. So you end up again in the gig economy because you don't have the skills otherwise. And of course, a lot of those aren't really teaching you the skills you need to learn to move out of the gig economy. 
because you're spending all like like just just driving and say and saying nice things to people doesn't teach you how to inter, like very much about interaction or how like just practical skills in general and yeah just the difference i pulled up an interesting article well there's of it's it's a fact sheet about occupational segregation um i didn't read the pdf because i really don't have time to read a pdf but it's occupations where men tend to get paid better occupations with more men tend to be paid better regardless of skill or education level if the work is done predominantly by women then it's valued less in the labor market so it doesn't matter the minute you are perceived as female you are less oh, valuable yeah. oh yeah that like there is there is and i've thought like there is a, a level of shock that anyone transitions male female female to male uh, gender, like neutral, what or non-binary, etc. There is a shock at the change of your value in society in the workplace. Like, so, like uh, I've had like trans men, you know, something like, well, why do I like? Why am I? Are you giving me this now? Like, I don't. I've never needed this, but it's like yes. But now, you know, it's like you're one of the guys. Obviously, you get this thing. And when you're transferring females, the shock of, oh, okay, this is what, it, this is the actual, like, you know about it, but you don't realize what it is until you're actually in there and living it. Like the, to experience that is a big shock. And it's like, it's something people don't talk, like, it's, again, something people don't talk about. Like, they talk, they don't talk, like, how big it actually is. It's, it's amazing, the level, the change in your value. It really is. Women are just not like we have a definitive purpose and that is we are supposed to be keeping places safe and pumping out babies the other another takeaway was that it's women of color at all education levels are segregated into jobs with lower wages than their white female peers of similar skill levels it horrifies me that i have coworkers that are somehow probably making slightly less than i am even though we're doing the same work and i don't know how to address that my specific job might be a little different um just because of how the company is in itself but the idea that somebody with the same amount of skills that i do is paid less simply because i'm pale is appalling it really is it really is and then there's a statement about the prevalence of women in low-paying occupations is due to negative biases about the market value of women's work. The prevalence of men in high-paid occupations is often due to workplace cultures that demand long hours and face time in the office, which does not accommodate flexibility for caregiving, which there's a lot to unpack there because that implies that caregiving is women's work and that men should not be doing it, that's a Victorian-era holdover that really needs to go away because caregiving is everybody's work. Yeah. Oh, my. It drives me up the wall that, the, that, that, I have, that I'm expected to be, a, you know, to automatically be afraid of men because they simply, because of the attitude that, that they're, like, just as close as the 70s, there is an attitude that, that men can't help it when a woman does something that aggravates them. So women have to make absolutely sure they don't aggravate a man because otherwise his manly instincts will take over and it'll, and and she'll he'll hit you and that's your fault. And that's led over to now where we're still 
fucking afraid of men because they're supposed to be, you know, they tell you, they, they tell men, oh, you can only express emotion through violence. To, and caregiving is beneath you. And I mean, my spouse is wrestling with this. I'm totally outing him, but he can deal with it. He listens to the podcast anyway, and he knows I'm going to talk about him, especially when we're talking about this sort of shit because it's work and he's the stay at home and how it fucks with him on a, as a, on a mental health level because he can't work. He can't even do gig work. He does um, 3D art and he's really good at it, but it's really hard to get commissions because art, again, it's, it doesn't, it, it doesn't put somebody's ass on a yacht it's not it's undervalued in society but he's it's it the the gendering and the uh, the segregation of work and of gender roles just the gendering of of everything is stressful to him oh yeah and detrimental to his mental health as the stay at home partner you know it's because we've talked about it, it actually bothers him that he doesn't, he's not actively contributing to the financial well-being of the household when he's doing the lion's share of the support work that allows me to focus on the few things my executive dysfunction disorder allows me to focus on in oh, a day. Get up, go to work, make sure all my patients are okay, and get home and eat a meal and you know shower regularly and brush my you know all of those things that take up all of my spoon the paying the bills the depositing my checks the keeping the house clean the doing the grocery shopping all of that support work is vital to the functioning of the household and it's something i cannot do and i could not do he's flat out said what would you do if i died Oof. if i wasn't around how would you manage? Um, how, well, how would you specifically? How would you eat? Because I'm very, and because I can keep a house, I would mostly get rid of all of the stuff that requires cleaning. Oh yeah, and just probably hire someone and pay them well to come clean my house. <laughs> but I would order. I would be depending on DoorDash or Instacart to do the grocery shopping or one of the food. One of the meal delivery service, the meal kit delivery services, to get through my day because I need those assistance. And he's right; he's extremely vital. And society does not recognize the value of his labor. It also does not. There's a meme that's been going on pointing out that basically someone said that you know, forty hours a week is not enough time. Or 40 hours, people expect people to work 40 hours a week and then come home, clean the house, go through and try to socialize with other people. And you just can't do it. It's impossible because of the 40, with working 40 hours and trying to get a living wage. And the response was, yeah, that was because when the 40 hour work week was written, people were supposed to have a support person at home to deal with the other stuff. And when you have a family that you have to have two people working 40-hour work weeks, 
it's hard to get shit or done. more or more or yep. more. Yeah, and that's how you're getting the uh, gig economy. Get like is is get is there to quote unquote fill some of these gaps, but they're also like creating the same damn gaps by forcing people to work like crazy weird hours in order to make that that extra bit. Every kind of circle. It's because. Because your primary job doesn't pay you enough to fucking live. You take a secondary job in one of these gig jobs and they just fucking bend you over in an unpleasant way and take advantage of you. And who's hiring you? People who need people who are also stressed out from work and don't have time. So they hire you so they can do their gig job. Yeah. So it's this it's this horrible, incestuously abusive capitalist nightmare from which none of us can awaken. Oh, I I hope to I hope to see it when we burn up when we burn it all down. I really just think we need to you know go back to what made America truly great, and it was taxing the rich. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. The one great thing about the fifties and the forties was the tax on the on the on the wealthy that allowed us to go to the moon and forced corporations to to cut their uh, profits that they were going to be grossly taxed on by investing in benefits and pensions, fair wages, and you could work at a gas station part-time and put yourself through college. Because the, the public universities were free. Or cheap. Everything was cheap. Yeah. Because profit margins were, pro- excessive profits were taxed. Healthcare was cheap because it was all non-profit. That's all we need to do. Right. We need to put these things back in place. But the problem is, it's like, I mean, uh, like I have, like, I, I, I mean, in the study, like what really got me was like, you can pin it down. You can pin down like the big turning points and all of it starts with like, like as far from what I can tell, it's like, it's like, it's, it starts with Nixon and all of his, well, let's get rid of this and let's, let's get rid of this. And then, and then, you know, you have, fucking reagan and his bullshit and every time we get even a step up then you get someone like uh you know like like any of the bushes or or well the cheeto in office i mean it's like i mean this is peak capitalism it's insane it's uh and then all the way back to what inspired the show the tipping and <laughs> how that's you know we see more and more this tipping and congress and we have somebody in congress who literally had to survive on tips telling everybody else in everybody who will listen this is bullshit it needs to stop don't listen to her she's just a bartender she literally knows what she's talking about because she's done the work but she's also but she's a woman and she's not she is not white and those things instantly mean well she's doing like i'm gonna be blunt they've you know people the people who are the uh, you know this is an okay boomer situation the people who are like in charge of this stuff like or not in charge but it's people in power right now look at that and that like they don't see a, someone in their you know an equal who is also in the house i forget what, what thing but just in the government they see the per they see the people they underpay to do their housework and like, and they consider that a horrible job that only the most demeaned people would take anyway. And it's just the treat. It, it's just so unfair. It's all, I mean, just that, just that the idea that because you're doing, you know, that 
because you're not white or you came from another country or something, you deserve your, your place is to be these servants. Like we're still like, like hundred something years later and we are still getting our mindset out of slavery. I used to work when I was living in Alabama. Um, it was the only non-minimum wage job that was willing to hire me. And when I say non-minimum wage, they were still on the federal minimum wage of $5.25, and this only paid $6. Doing janitorial work on night shifts, like going around the city to like do heavy cleaning of uh, floors and things like that. Oh, yeah. I was the only white guy on staff, all right? So I'd be going through and traveling with these guys, listening to them going, man, white people, man, white people, man, white people. And one time they went off and said, yeah, them white people on the on their yachts. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And they just looked at me. I'm like, hey, look, I'm agreeing with you guys. I'm, I'm doing the shit job like you guys are doing. So white people, right? Yeah, I... Yeah, fucking white people. White people. Right? I, I, it's gotten to a point where it's like you know, there is a different like white people is, is is like a whole like become a whole other thing now. Yeah, Be, uh, after that, they every time they say "man, white people," they always add it except for Bill because I was I was there doing the shitty job with them. So clearly, you were not considered white people. I, with my background as being part Irish, and you know part german depending on where we are in history one one half the other half or both halves are slightly less white mm-hmm. oh yeah um so i'm here going it's the wasps man it, yeah it really is i mean they you know specifically from from the uk from england fucking wasps that's that's what it's been you know, shortened to white people, but it's that specific white Anglo-Saxon Protestant doctrine of the elect, dominionist, wealth is a sign of favor from God, and if you're not wealthy, well, then you're just not worthy. That. Was it people who gentrify? People go to a place and, like, they see if they see something they like, and then they, so they take it over and turn it and change it into everything else they were trying to get away from. And it's just colonization on a different level. And, ugh. Yeah, well, that gets into Airbnb, which is colonization via capitalism. Oh, that Airbnb story was great. Uh, What's this Airbnb story? Basically, right before she left Vice, this woman... Uh, the, the the journalist, I don't have the Vice article up to properly credit her, and I'm going to pull that up now. She was actually getting ready to leave Vice, and there was this, she had gone through and gotten an Airbnb, and the what it was going through was kind of sketchy. And the article is, um, I accidentally uncovered a nationwide scam on Airbnb. I'm going to post that to the room right now. So you can see the link. Ali Conti was the, the the journalist, but basically there was something there was something off and how everything was going on. Then she started researching it and found these weird things and contacted other people 
and was trying to get to the root of who is actually running this like nationwide scam. And it's a long ass article and it's worth the read. If you have a spoon, I would go through and read the article because it's that good. Um, and, and that detailed, but the best part is, is this was put out on Halloween and she put an update on November 1st, the mm-hmm. morning after this article was published, the FBI contacted Vice about the claims made above. <laughs> and Airbnb doesn't know what they're doing. They're now saying that um, they're going to work to actually verify things now, unlike they were doing before. Oh my god. But it basically blew up because... One person was like, no, this isn't right. I need to go through, and I'm going to use my power to do something about it. But yeah, oh, that feels good. I went through and I, went, I wanted to look up an update of it after that, and I went to the Twitter, and like a day later, she had written, oh, by the way, I didn't mean to announce this now, but I'm leaving Vice. <laughs> and I think she went to the New York Times, but... uh. But still, it's one of those things where she didn't expect it to blow up the way it did, and basically, she it was like, damn! But yeah, so it's all blown up in regards to that. Well, there's also the horrible, scammy thing where people will buy, you know, in traditionally quirky, or, you know, quirky in quotes, neighborhoods. They'll buy housing up and then they'll turn it into an Airbnb and ja- and clean up clean up a oh, neighborhood God. and that just causes the property pro- values to go up and thus the people who actually live there can't afford to live there anymore. It's insane. Is yeah, and again, that's why we end up with it's just just circular capitalism. Uh, capitalism allows people to be exploited. It really um, does. Like it blows, it blows my mind. I mean, people like you're you're, like, basically the stuff that keep making, you know, you're just having basic quality of life is too expensive for any, for most people, just basic quality of life. That's what they're, that's like, these people come in and it's like, quote unquote, clean it up. It's like, oh, you know, the how, like the houses aren't leaky or things like that. Like basic maintenance is too much. Is, is too much in this economy. It's insane. Yeah, one of the things that they talk about in Boston area is the fact that there is no housing that people can afford. Every time they put new housing development in, it's for the affluent and well-off. And Where are these affluent people coming from? They're coming from out of state. That's where... Um, in fact, I'm going to try to find the guy about that because I'd love to... One of the guys that did this, I love him on the podcast, he does YouTube videos specifically talking about the Boston area and the gentrification of it and how it's affecting the city in general. It's just like what's good, you know, what's going to happen when like, you know, like, like you, you, there's, a, there's a limited number of like rich people like like like, like they are like, you know, they are like it. It's like I can't. Oh my god, the bust on this is going to be insane. I mean, I I currently live in a house with four other people. 
They are great people. I'm glad that I live here. They, especially after the crap roommates I've had in the past, they're wonderful. But the fact that all five of us have to be in a house together because this is what we can afford because we're splitting the rent five ways. There's something wrong. Yeah, there really is. Yeah. I have two housemates, not because I need them because I got stupid lucky and I actually own my house outright and reasons. I have two housemates because otherwise two people would be homeless. Uh, That's, I mean, I'll tell you, if that's kind of my situation, I got lucky. I got lucky, and people who cared took took me in. It's just why I was able to like get to where I am. You know, it's like making like you like it's something that like again that building the brand is so difficult to do because no one you're expected not like to do that and to pay the and to pay the rent and to and to work an extra job or two or three or and on top of that maintain your house and like and you know somehow keep from going insane all of that at the same time and like they're surprised when people have like just complete nervous breakdowns and that productivity is going completely to shit one person with a fair wage that uh su- you know supports a living a, a fair living wage one one job that person actually is better at that job and overall you get more work out of them because they're not fucking exhausted from working two or three or one you know a part-time job here a full-time job there and then on their days off they're going to fucking drive uber or they're running doordash or whatever the hell they're doing um just to cover the bills and it's all because labor is not work is not valued labor is not valued in this country only what only what people can get only what a company can get out of you well that's what i mean like where we where we like it is i mean i keep i've said it before i'll say it again you know it's like we we got all the you know we, we we like we got the cyberpunk dystopia but we didn't get flying cars or metal arms or or likes yeah we didn't get yeah we got them they're working on the metal arm. We're getting really cool cybernetic. Okay, we're uh, getting there, but I mean, I can't go. Dude. But I, I mean, like people doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like with you know, we're at the part where we can say, "I oh, just chop my arm off. I want a fake one." Right, right. I, I, I goddamn it, I want to do that. But instead, you know, instead I get here. You're gonna be you're you're gonna be poor, and your but your phone is really cool. The phone you need to get a job. It's the. Uh, my other, my other, 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 other life is librarians, and people are like, "Well, why are libraries still a thing?" Because they're one of the only places you can get internet for free, just straight up, no fees. You show up, people let you get on the internet. They'll help you fill out forms so you can get assistance, all that stuff, so you can apply for your shitty job, and just the gatekeeping on actual survivable wages that keep people in the tipped uh exploitative jobs is appalling oh Oh, yeah you have to have a bachelor's degree to fucking manage at uh, mcdonald's since just i guarantee you that franchise owner did not have a a collegiate degree uh when they work their way up to buy their own just thinking about like like just i mean i'm like just those things where they don't even interview you you fill out a form and 
like you're expected to say, like, and they're looking for, you can be too honest on the goddamn form. Like if you're honest, they assume you're not to So you're, it, you're who you are is devalued just going in there. Like, like, they, like, they, like you're automatically like, well, we don't really care about this, but we have an algorithm. Uh, it's just not fair. Like, and because that's how you get like women and minorities and everybody just like not able to get these better jobs because well, white people are in charge. Rich white people specifically. Yes. Not to say that there aren't like rich jerks of all, of all stripes, but yeah. The difference in the difference between a rich white man and a rich black man is decimal points. Point, yeah. Um, and numbers of zeros, and it's a noticeable oh, it difference. The, yeah, let's see. We'll we'll mention LeBron James because we love LeBron here. He's fucking amazing. Um, but in our mention of him, he's a very wealthy man. He is never going to hurt for money. Um, he's got endorsements. He's still playing at an elite level. He's a smart businessman. He's been diversifying his income streams. You know, he's been handling his business like a grown ass man. Right. The rich, the richest white people still have orders of magnitude more money than he does. Oh, of course they do. I mean, because it's all like they're just, it's just handed to them. Like they're just like here. And they've just. Well, and it it's unearned. His ridiculous sums of money, he earned those. His body is abused for that money. If he wasn't an elite athlete, Nike wouldn't be writing him checks. Or whoever the hell is, you know, writing him a check for an endorsement right now. The Lakers wouldn't be writing him checks. if So he is truly a self-made man. He's taken his talent. And he's got it to pay. Jeff Bezos hasn't worked yeah. a day in his life. But it's funny when you're talking, like you're talking about, he's like, he, you know, him, like he's basically selling his body for money. And the one thing we haven't talked about is like, I, I mean, I would put like people who do, who do like a lot of people who do sex work. That's a gig. Econ- that is a gig economy. That, that is the oldest and gig economy. Like, <laughs> when we were talking about like safety. And it's, Highest risk. Like safety. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sesta Fossa has wrecked, has just wrecked people's lives for no other reason. Yeah. People who can't and work. What's crazy about it is it's like it, it actually, it, I mean, it was, it was, it, it makes it easier to do human trafficking. It has made it like, like, and I'm not just saying slightly, it's like just unbelievably more like, levels of easy because there's no way for these people to tr- to be tracked even they can't like say i was here this day and here this day and here's the proof there's nobody checking up on them there's they're they're they've ceased to be people and yeah it's it's um they were sex workers are generally less less alive and this is a phrase i am borrowing from uh paul mm. holes and because i've listened to him speak um, on his podcast about how law enforcement perceives sex workers as less dead or there had been well, in the past. Do. I think they're trying to fix it. Yeah, but it's it's marginally better. And it's a very small margin. But they're they're less dead because they're not as important. 
and yeah, and and they're abused. They're considered, you know. I mean, like I, there's so many people in my life who, who are or have been sex workers, and just watching, like I said, their ability to be safe. Like we were talking about gigs and like how you know and safety and how like you're not covered in you know in Uber, which is just completely legal and everywhere, and like to be a uh, to be an escort, like no one's covering you. No one's paying any attention to what's happening to you. You disappear. Oh, well. Survival sex work is the most dangerous gig and it really shouldn't be just the, you know, the phrase survival sex work is kind of terrible in and of really itself, is. but it's doing, it's being a sex worker because if you don't, you will starve or you will not have access to basic things like shelter. Right. Um, oh, and it's almost involuntary. It really is like being like just for being trans in that. It is so hard to get uh, like like almost. I think almost every trans woman and probably most trans men goes through a phase where you have to do that to survive, simply because you won't get hired. No one will care, and that affects how people view trans people in general, because for the longest time, the only time you saw a trans, a, a trans woman was when they were, was when they were like doing sex work. And because sex workers are devalued, the assumption was is that every trans person is just a, a desperate damaged pervert who doesn't deserve the time, time of day. And is just something to be used and thrown away. That was something that's something that basically when um, Massachusetts was trying to fight the bathroom bill there, that's what they basically tried to say. It's like, if you pass this bill, there's going to be men dressed as ladies trying to prey on your family when really there really that didn't happen. And after they lost their little bathroom building, they even came up to admit, yeah, that wasn't true. Anyway, we were just preying on people's fears. Off to the next person, bathroom bill. Yep. But um, going back to LeBron very briefly, um, James joined the Lakers last year as a free agent with a four-year, $153 million contract. The final year is a $41 million player option, which basically LeBron goes, yeah, I'm taking this last year. You have no choice in the matter. Which is a hell of a contract. That's a lot of power for a player to have. His endorsement partners include Nike, Coca-Cola, Beats by Dre, Blaze Pizza, and 2K Sports. James and his partners have 14 Blaze franchises open in Chicago and seven more in South Florida. And did you know I have a hard time pronouncing the word Nike? Please see our Patreon for discussions of pronunciation in English. I was just gonna say it's like I'm like I'm just seeing all that money and I'm like I am trying to go, it's okay. He did you know, it's okay. And at the same time I'm like, that's not okay. That's not okay. Five hundred like four like like why forty million dollars. My I my goddess the things I could do with that much money. Like I think like every time I mean I'm trying to be supportive and be fair and at the same time you see it and you're just like That's what they want. Well, I mean, he is, in, in instead of, you know, Jeff Bezos, who can't even fucking pay his people a living wage, we're looking at you, rich white man. LeBron opened a school. 
for at risk. And he bought an apartment block to refurbish so that there are homes for kids at the I Promise School who need to not live where they were living so that they have stable homes. Like if they're in a situation where staying at home would be traumatic because, I don't know, gun violence occurred in the home or domestic violence occurred there and they don't feel safe in their home. He bought a block of apartments so that there would be affordable, safe housing for people so that they can focus on, you know, getting an education. And just the I Promise School in and of itself is focused on the whole family. It's not just... Uh, it, it's not a, a it's a public it's part of the Akron public school so it's a public school that is this is lovely to know thanks thank you but also it's like yeah i get it it's very frustrating no and it's even more frustrating that like you're right this is what they want and i'm like god damn it i fell right into it it's it's okay there we are set up to especially now that the gig economy is a thing again we are set up to begrudge another person their living you know the the tipped workers are supposed to be angry at the non-tipped workers who are angry at the tipped workers for some bullshit because the 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 corporate franchise owners and everybody and all the people with money want to play both ends against the middle because that way we can't all notice that they're the ones making all the money you know it's the why are we mad that the fast food worker wants a living wage when the EMT isn't making one either. Wait a minute. The ride in the ambulance is like several grand. Where is that money going? If it's not going to pay the crew and maintain the ambulance, such a fight in the gig, in a gig economy. I mean, like as an art, like as artists and people who have to like, where we have to basically, you know, kickstart, kickstart things or go fund me or whatever. And, Oh, they'll fuck you there too. Oh, they fund me and Kickstarter exists to fuck you over as a creator. They do, and the thing is, like, there's almost no choice because there's because no one has the money to do it on their own anymore. But you do this, and like it, you they also get you also get this. It's it's a popularity contest. So if someone has trouble, uh, you know, someone does amazing work, like really amazing work, but they have a problem communicating it. They're not going to get anywhere. It only benefits people people who are able to do the thing, and like, and it, and it builds up like such resentment. Like, uh, I don't know. There's another podcast. You probably you know Critical Role, like, and with everything they're doing, mm-hmm. yeah. and yeah, and they're making they you know they they had a lot of backers, and they also had some corporation backing and stuff. But like Sell people out. will just. People will flip, people. I've I've been watching other artists just flip out about it, and like you know, it's, it's so hard to remember. It's like, dude, you would be doing the exact same thing if the opportunity came, because this is the only you know. It's like you don't be mad at someone who's surviving the only way they can. They got lucky. If you got lucky, you'd be doing it too. I understand a little bit about the idea of it being lucky, but. There was also enough nerdy name recognition to allow that to get pushed up because you had uh, you had voice actors going through that were known from well-named franchises that were running it. So 
while it's it's the only reason I even bring this up remotely is because um, my friends locally they're currently trying to go through and build together a future Twitch stream to start for next year. So they're trying to organize and get things figured out, get things set up so they could do their own D&D game, D&D modeling. And it's one of those things where everything's going to go through growing pains because one, almost everybody's going to compare to Critical Role. And two, if you don't have either an amazing storyline or amazing players or proper promotion to do that, you're going to have a hard time going through and get this, get things done. The podcasts, the podcasts that I run and that we run, we might get hits. We might get um, people enjoying it. It's, but the thing is, it's like, we basically just decided for this podcast very recently that as much as sponsors would be great, we don't want sponsors around because it might go through and hurt our content, depending on That's a smart move. they might like or not like. So we're going to be relying a lot on listeners just to get things put through. And you're and people are right. It's like things like Kickstarter, things like GoFundMe. There was recently a big deal going on in Nerddom about dice. There was a Kickstarter that got like a thirteen million something like about dice. And it's turned out that the person that's doing these dice are stealing designs of other dice makers. Oh my god. Oh, oh god. If you want to get into the, the, the pain that is uh, intellectual property and copyright. We got oh. into a little bit with that with our episode on non-consensual release of a person's image. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Just when we were talking about this thing, it's like even even critical role guys. So you're talking about building up to that. I mean, they still you know they still started from a, from a place and had to you know get up there. At least they started with you know they came from they not from nothing, but they came from you know they didn't have the special advantages they have now. They earned that privilege. Well, that's the that's where we that's where I that's where we're basically splitting hairs here. To me. Being a name-recognized person in nerd society for, like, multiple games, that is a special advantage. Yeah. It is. And so they capitalized on that, and now they're making bank. I mean, let's not begrudge them the right to make a living. I'm not. But I'm not. We couldn't do that. No. And, and, that, and the system is designed that way. I mean, it's it, like... Like it's not a, it's not their fault because that the out like a lot of it is the algorithm. Someone wrote something that said, "Well, people like a certain number of people like this, so we'll choose this person." And so, like, like, like they they pick and choose who will be who will like be noticed. Mm-hmm. Like, especially YouTube algorithms are disgusting. And oh god, what they've done to gay content, ground and grindy, um, what they've done to any content. Well, gay content is automatically uh, demonetized. Is it? Oh, okay. yo, you didn't hear about that? No, anything I didn't. That is, anything that is queer or mentions transition or anything like that has a very high chance of being demonetized because this is too controversial for them to run ads on. It is a, 
it has been going on for a while and they did it without telling anyone they were doing it. People just found out. Gay people don't have money. Queer people don't have money. That's a memo that that's news to me. Oh, the assumption is like, I think the assumption is that they're, they, it will be too much and people won't, the ad people, the the guys, the companies like selling, giving them ads won't don't don't want like to be associated with you know the gays well like harry's phrasers here's here's a funny thing that i've noticed in the one podcast i listened to that has given me the instant well it's a pair of podcasts by these two these two dudes they're comics so on the subject of gig economy they're comedians that's their whole life is grinding it out poor bastards uh, Jimmy and James, I love you, but they they have done ads for Simply Safe, Rothy's, and Third Love, and pretty much that's it. Now they're two dudes. Oh, Madison Reed, they're two guys. They don't necessarily need a bra, and Rothy's, I don't believe, makes men's shoes. But they have female identifying people in their life, and they know their audience base. Because <laughs> uh, it's true, cr- they're true crime podcasts, so oh, they know who's yeah. listening, and they don't. They're like, we're dudes. We don't know shit about this, except for Simply Safe, which they use. But yeah, well, I get what you're saying. But just the, you know, the ad people don't want to be associated. The ad people don't fucking care. They want to be associated with people who have money. Someone explain that to. Someone explain that to, to to fucking YouTube because they are just ripping apart uh, like minority minority uh, the ability of minority platform. They're just ripping it apart. It, it and that that was a gig economy. Mm-hmm. Like 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 for a while, YouTube was a was was the gig economy. People were making bank because they were will, but uh, very hard work, very hard work. And yeah. Then they, just- and to make the algorithm go requires originally they didn't have they didn't have like an, an algorithm per se and i mean i sorry i have a personal vendetta against the algorithm because it just it, it I, i'm the type of person that they will that they'll put at the bottom every time and the algorithm and it yeah it that, just, that sounds like a horror it really does well it kind of is Let's... yeah cuz it, it, it it's telling you what you can and cannot see who you should be it's assuming and it also limits your ability to learn to access new things because it's trying just to give you what you've had before. Any platform where people have been able to make money for themselves is has either turned into a horrifying dystopian wasteland or has been legislated into uselessness. Like Snapchat was really great for sex workers to not have to go out and be in danger um, because you could post shit. The incels had to fucking ruin that. Oh God, yeah. And then, or or Tumblr. And Tumblr's been destroyed as a just a content for anything. Um, that's yeah, it just not highly sanitized. It was devastating. It was kind of devastating. It was devastating for me because that, and a lot of other people like in my community because like you like like there's a lot of there were a lot of visible people in the trans community there and like it was a place you go and see and see and communicate with people like yourself and know you're not alone and then they just took that away 
and they're taking it and then they're taking it away from uh, other everywhere else too. There's just sanitation going on that's really just again forcing us out of uh out of anything that isn't a corporate sponsored gig. Mm-hmm. And it's ugh, we could go on forever. I was just going to say because of everything we could go on and on and on. I think it might be a good idea to start wrapping things up. So, Jennifer, yes. do you have any links or anything that you would like to plug? I do have things I would like to plug. Plug your art. All right. Plug your tattoo shirt. Now, yes. Now, now that we've been making, you know, yelling about capitalism, let me tell you how you can buy things and be capitalist with me. Uh, support support I, our because we can't afford to pay her. Uh, there's, there, I, um, I'm on uh, deviantart.com. Under the name Lady Red Fingers, it's just L A D Y R E D F I N G E R S. Like that same name, Lady Red Fingers. You can find me that way on Patreon. So you can also find, like uh, again L A D Y R E D F I N G E R S. Yeah, and uh, I'm also on Jennifer Bone and Lady Red Fingers and Patreon. And uh, I'm glad I have this all out. Yep, Lady Red F- and Lady Red Fingers on Instagram. You can see my work all over all of those. And, you know, you know, please support me. I need to eat. A whole big part of this whole podcast is to support uh, voices that don't get traditional support. So, yeah, please support our guests because we can't specifically. <laughs> this is, we're Thank boosting. you so much. We're boosting. So, yes, of course, that's what we want. Um, diversity is important. All that being said, one thing that I did miss at the very beginning that is important, especially since we're going to be doing future shows that require more input from our audience. Our email address is writeus at xchromosomepodcast.com. Um, we're getting ready to do an article based... We're getting ready to do a show based off of a letter we received from one of our listeners, which was asking for advice from Noel and Huey, that we're going to be planning a couple of weeks. Um, basically, we want your experiences family and especially if you are a minority or on the lgbtq plus a plus spectrum because that's what the letter was in relation to so let's know your story so we can go through and show support or other work on pulling together other resources we're going to be doing that show possibly in about two weeks that again, our email address is write us at xchromosomepodcast.com. We're honestly, dear listener, we are not ignoring you, but we, we want to make sure that one, we address all of your concerns, and two, uh, we make sure you know you're not alone with the struggle. There's a lot of terrible statistics about queer people um, ending up homeless and then ending up doing survival sex work and other really rough stuff and unsafe things just because they're they don't have an option and we want to make sure that we treat all of those issues with the time and respect they deserve all right so that being said we are going to awkwardly exit um my name is bill i'm noel and special thanks to our guest jennifer that's me and we all, all have an extra chromosome and craig Dear sweet Craig the Bot, get the fuck out.
We All Have an X Chromosome is an XChromosomePodcast.com production. Executive producers are Noelle Dial and Bill Malvesi. Executive director, Bill Malvesi. Associate technical director, Huey Algool. Associate news director, Brian Grimes. Music by Alpha Riff. Hosted by Noelle Dial and Bill Malvesi.